Welcome to this week's Hellgate podcast. I'm Esther Wong, a worker owner here at Hellgate, and I'm joined today by my Hellgate colleague, Katie Way, who recently published what I think is fair to say is a wild story about altruism gone wrong in New York City's cat rescue community. Hey, yeah. Hey, Esther. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on the podcast at my job. <laughs> so, Katie, your piece, which is called Cat Fight, it starts with the line, in some ways, none of this would have happened, not the springtime morning raid, not the 44 charges of animal neglect, if Holly and Jingle had just been returned to Alicia Harding. So Holly and Jingle are two rescue cats. Can you tell us about what happened to them and how their story brought you on a journey that ended with you witnessing an NYPD and ASPCA raid and the arrest of Farhana Hawk, the founder of a cat rescue group called Cats of New York? I can talk about it. I actually have not stopped talking about it the last two weeks. I'm alienating the people in my life about it. Um, yeah, but basically Holly and Jingal were a pair of rescue cats who were found up in Harlem, who Alicia Harding, who you mentioned through her cat rescue group, New York City Animal Rescue Girls, uh, actually gave to Farhana Hawk back in uh, late 2018 and then um, didn't, effectively, they lost contact. Farhana stopped responding to her and she got so desperate to get these two cats back that she ended up going public on Instagram and making really big waves in the cat rescue community. And that sort of got the ball rolling for other cat rescues who had beef, so to speak, with Cats of Meow York and individual fosters and adopters who had their own experiences, positive and negative, uh, to chime in on those experiences on Instagram. It basically started with Internet drama. I talked to probably at this point like 20 people or something about this story, which is far and away the most sources I have ever used for a single article. I've been working on it since February. And then last week, things escalated with a pair of whistleblowers from Cats of Meow York revealing these really um, intense, dirty conditions, uh, both to someone who sent evidence to me and someone who contacted you know, law enforcement, and that culminated in a raid and uh, Farhana's arrest. So it has been a crazy journey, and I'm so excited to not be on this journey <laughs> anymore, at least uh, at least until anything else fucking wild happens. So, you know, looking excited to get into it. I'm sorry, Katie, but we're actually going to keep you on the cat beat from <laughs> now on. Yeah. It's just how it's going to be. I'm on the abused animal beat, just as I dreamed of, yeah. You know, I want to get your take on the feral cat problem in New York and what you kind of learned about the broader rescue community in a second. But there is a lot of drama in this story. You know, I I read it and kind of left thinking, well, no one, no one is a pure villain or a pure hero in this story, right? Everyone throughout the story makes decisions that, to me, kind of seem a little bit incomprehensible. You know, I'm a dog owner. I rescued my dog. I had a previous rescue dog. There's often drama in the dog rescue community, but it pales in comparison to the stories that I hear about cat rescue and the drama in this very kind of small, tight-knit community, right? 
What did you learn about some of the underlying reasons for why there is so much drama within the cat rescue community? Is it the kind of people that are attracted to that work? Is it a failure of the city to do anything about all these cats that are on the streets? What's what's your take after talking to so many people? A lot of it has to do with the fact that like in New York City, you know, I wouldn't say there's a big feral dog population. I don't know if they're flying under my radar. You know, someone tipped me off. <laughs> but um, we don't even know how many feral cats there are. But, you know, as of the like most recent counts, there are 500,000 just like in the outer boroughs. So even if you lived here, you might not necessarily know about them. So you have this like massive population, half a million feral cats and, you know, a city government that does, according to the people I spoke with, effectively nothing about them. Um, And they essentially leave, you know, the care for these animals and the sort of population control in the hands of, you know, just regular New Yorkers and a lot of the small nonprofits that I talked to for this story, you know, so that means that all of these people, you're seeing this huge issue, you're seeing these animals, you know, like living on the streets, maybe suffering, maybe you see them sick, whatever. Uh, You know that if you're a real animal lover and if you're someone involved in this sort of DIY infrastructure, you're the only one who can solve this problem, you know, that's going to get passions going. And it means that people are dedicating a bunch of their own like time, whatever resources they have at hand or whatever sort of funds they can cobble together to, you know, deal with the situation without any real meaningful assistance from the city. And so I, I think that drives everyone a little crazy. <laughs> so how does Farhana Hawk and her organization, which is now called Cats of Meow York, kind of like fit into the broader rescue community in the city? From, you know, the outside, Cats of Meow York is a pretty typical TNR operation. And just to kind of explain what that is, that's um, trap, neuter, return. And right now that is the sort of designated way uh, in New York City that we deal with, not me, not we, <laughs> that others uh, deal with the feral cat population. And effectively, <laughs> that means um, trapping a cat sort of in a specific kind of cage and then neutering, you know, you that's the population control element. You spay or neuter the animal and you also vet it in other ways, which means sort of receiving other baseline medical care, like vaccines in particular. Um, you ear tip the cat, which means, you know, you snip off uh, just like the top part of the animal's ear to make it clear that it has been vetted. And then you return it wherever you trapped the animal, essentially. And there's a certification process for that. So you're only supposed to be doing TNR work if you're certified. So Cats of Meow York does TNR work and then also had um, the separate branch where they're adopting out friendly cats or kittens that were born, you know, feral, born in the wild, but uh, were TNR'd early enough to be socialized. I mean, I think as a lot of people, and especially, you know, the people from Cats of New York that I spoke to for the story emphasized, you know, this is uh, not an exact science. Not every organization is going to do this work in the same way, especially because, like I said before, there's effectively no oversight, you know, from the city government, from someone who's not deeply enmeshed, which 
can lead to the kind of conflict we see here. But there's a big difference, I think, between, you know, having a having a slight alteration in methods and getting to a place where, you know, the animals are maybe unwell. You know, your your story starts with these two cats, Polly and Jingle, um, two TNR cats that Hawk allegedly didn't return to the rescue where she got them from. And it ends with a raid on Hawk's basement, which is the holding space for cats of New York. Can you kind of fill in the blanks, you know, between those two incidents? You know, what also happened that you found out in the course of your reporting? What did other people experience when they rescued or fostered cats from Farhana? Yeah, I mean, I talked to way more people than are even, you know, included in this article about their experiences with Farhana and with either Crazy Cat Fam or Cats of Meow York. And experiences skewed pretty negative, although not everyone I spoke to had a bad experience when fostering or adopting an animal. But, you know, there was a pattern that uh, started to emerge where people, you know, they would get this animal and maybe something something that they expected that they had been told by Farhana or another volunteer, whatever, was wrong. Maybe the cat's gender is wrong. Maybe the cat hasn't received the medical care that they believe it was supposed to, and they don't have medical records. Maybe they think they're getting five cats and they actually walk away with seven. (laughs) Maybe the cat is sick. Maybe they were, you know, new to fostering. Maybe they had never adopted an animal before. And, you know, this person who I think ideally would be a resource in that situation just sort of drops the ball and they have to either, you know, spend money on vet bills or get in touch with a different cat rescuer to get a foster animal placed into a different home, something like that. Also, we haven't even touched on the ringworm of it all. So many of my sources got ringworm in this story. It made me so paranoid. Uh, We'll talk about this later, but I was in the holding space back in May and I was like, if I get ringworm reporting this story, like I'm fucking suing, like I'm suing Hellgate, I'm suing Farhana, like fuck this, you know, like no, absolutely not. I'm not getting ringworm. And I didn't. Knock on wood, you know, so far so good. It would be absolutely within your right to sue Hellgate (laughs) if you didn't. This is like war reporting. (laughs) But, you know, speaking of the space, you know, you just mentioned like you did go to Hawk's house in Woodhaven and the basement that is the holding space for Cats of Meow York, where um, Hawk and her organization and the volunteers were keeping and caring for the cats. You know, you write about in the story, but what was that like? You know, I think someone had mentioned to you and described the holding space to you as, quote unquote, cat Guantanamo. (laughs) Was that your experience when you were there in person? I was actually there right after it had rained a lot. So the basement had flooded. And I think, ironically, that made the space cleaner than it might have been if I had just visited on a normal day. But... They were like, oh, yeah, the door doesn't lock or like close. So you have to come in really fast. The walls were really like vivid colors, which was a little disorienting. There was like a lime green and a purple and like a royal blue. I counted 30 cats in the space or like around 30. I think a lot of them were feral cats that just kind of like habitated in there. Like it wasn't like she was necessarily trying to 
adopt those animals out or anything. They were just chilling. They looked, they were fucked up looking. I don't, you know, like they're cats that clearly live outside. Ah, uh, the biggest like sense memory I have was how horrible it smelled. I've never been in a space that smelled like that. It was so overwhelming. I was down there for like an hour and I feel like I had to like stop myself from pulling my shirt over my face because it was so strong and it was it it made me feel crazy because uh I was down there with Hawk and two other, you know, cats of Meow York members. I talk about it in the story and they're not reacting at all. And I'm like, I, I, I feel like my brain, I'm losing brain cells. Like I, you know, headache behind the eyes, like everything. That was the cat Guantanamo element. But, you know, from the photos I saw and from what other people described, I don't even, I don't even feel like I got the worst of it. Hi there, this is Esther Wong again, a worker owner at Hellgate. I know you like our podcast so far and wouldn't you like even more Hellgate in your life? Subscribe. Hellgate is New York City's only worker-owned news site. Our goal is to bring our readers, like you, stories that are trenchant, playful, outraged, irreverent, useful, and never tore to read. Go to hellgatenyc.com slash products to subscribe. All right, back to the show. What was your impression of Hawk and the other two cats of Meow York? members that were there when you were in the basement holding space with them you know I mean I appreciated that they were all pretty open with me you know I it was an adversarial interview to a degree I had like framed it as such you know Farhana knew going in that I was going to be asking her questions about these you know negative stories that I'd heard from other people yeah I guess I appreciated that she was open to that I know not everyone would uh, be necessarily. I had actually spoken to um, Jan Ahmed before I had talked to Farhana. And Jan is the executive director of Cats of New York. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was pretty similar stuff to like what I had already talked to her about in terms of like why they felt like the rescue cat community at large didn't, you know, like them and felt the need to sort of make posts about them and call them out and uh, there was there was a clear sort of like party line on that which is that it was you know a racial thing a prejudice thing because Farhana is uh, from Bangladesh and you know she's Muslim she has an accent and so they talked to me about just experiences they'd had where like Farhana would get ignored for a white volunteer you know even though she's the leader of the organization or just, you know, sort of microaggression, stuff like that. That's sort of something I'd already been hearing from Jan. So, yeah, I mean, my impression of Farhana, um, you know, pretty brusque. I think there was a little like power play stuff going on. She didn't want it to look like she was. I, I got the impression that she did not want to sort of give me control of the room, you know, which makes sense. I'm I'm literally in her house. She cursed a lot, which I thought was funny, sort of, you know, just like, oh, we're not a normal cat rescue. We're saying, fuck. But I don't know. I mean, she seemed normal. Like, I walked out of the basement being like, oh, man, I, you know, what's up with this story? I don't know if there's anything here that I can, you know, am I, do I really even feel justified in writing a story about this woman who seems, you know, a little disorganized? 
But ultimately, it's just cats. You know, at the end of the day, like everyone's just having a disagreement over these cats. And then I feel like your reporting took a turn because pretty soon after that, you got a text message. Oh, my God. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What were you doing at the time? I was trying to have a nice Nice night out with my friend Chelsea. I was enjoying a a nice cocktail at worker-owned cocktail bar Donna in the West Village. And it's like 10 p.m. I get a text message actually from someone I had already spoken to back in like March or something. And she texts me, this is the bombshell you've been waiting for. And like, you love, you absolutely love to get a text like that. As a reporter, not that I'm getting those all the time. If anyone wants to start texting me and then being like, it's a party full invite like that, I would love it. That would tickle me. But then I saw, you know, once I opened it, I saw the Google Photos folder that she'd attached with that text message. And right away, it's just like cat with just like brown discharge all over its face. I think maybe even like bugs. I couldn't really tell. I'm seeing videos of cats like shallow breathing like curled up in their crates and seeing like you know rotisserie chickens everywhere which i and googled that cats are not supposed to eat rotisserie chicken but i think that was like a bulk meat source that's the impression that i got just like really dirty dirty conditioned shit everywhere like blood in a fridge from the rotisserie chicken whatever you know so i'm taking this in and i find out from my source that this is all sort of material that's been collected by a pair of team members from Cats of Meow York who over time are seeing these things and feeling like, oh, this isn't right. We should be documenting this. And who finally decided because of New York City Animal Rescue Girls previous posts about Farhana and Cats of Meow York, they're like, you know what, this is the person. These are the people that we should tell. Did you have a moment where you were like, wow, this is how Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward <laughs> must have felt? Well, that's, you know, it's, it's yeah, it did feel like a like, oh, wow, you know, something's really been uncovered here. Like, I think it was shocking to everyone that things were like, actually that bad. Like, this really raises the stakes in a in a crazy way. Complete and total Watergate vibes. Yeah, for sure. And and just to take a step back, especially for people who, you know, might not be aware of kind of like how cat rescue or animal rescue in general should work and kind of like standards for how animals and pets should be cared for in situations like this. I mean, what did you hear from people in terms of like how quote unquote normal things like that are or like how egregious it is? I spoke to someone who's involved in the cow community but isn't sort of involved in like the interpersonal elements of it all and they were very helpful in saying that like the things that sort of were described in the scant kind of reporting around you know Farhana's eventual arrest and everything that's like pretty typical in a hoarder situation but what's really like atypical here is that it's not an individual doing this kind of hoarding behavior. It's a it's a cat rescue. It's a nonprofit. And I think that's the sort of twist that really like escalates things here is that you're not just, you know, creating an environment that like you yourself are living in and maybe feeling the negative effects of. You're bringing in 
your network of volunteers, many of whom I heard were like very young, like high school age or like college students, you know, you're bringing, you know, your family into the space and you're also, yeah, then distributing these animals elsewhere where, you know, uh, like I said, so many people got ringworm in this story. I spoke with a woman who adopted a pair of cats from Farhana back in, I think, 2021. And she said she got ringworm. Her partner got ringworm. Their German shepherd got ringworm. Like, not normal, obviously, because that's like that. And that was really hard to deal with, like myself reporting this story, because the line from Hawk and other people with Cats of Meow York was like, you know, they were very much like, everyone does this. Everyone makes mistakes in rescue. Like, we're dealing with a lot of animals. So, of course, these situations are going to come up. And I found myself asking myself and asking other people, Esther, I remember I asked you at one point about all the photos. I was like, is this normal? Like, am I right that this is crazy? And it's like, of course, this is fucking crazy. No one would be fucking adopting cats if this was nor. This can't be normal. You are not getting ringworm every time you're adopting an animal. Like, that's insane. Obviously not. Actually, so. I love getting ringworm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but I think like ultimately you know, reading the story and working with you on this story. I mean, it's it's truly depressing, these creatures, right, that people want to take care of and treat well. You know, Farhana's arrest, the lack of, like, any support from the city in dealing with this feral cat issue and kind of, like, what your take was at the end of the day, you know, like, kind of being there on the scene like you were the day that the NYPD and the ASPCA showed up and charged Farhana, arrested Farhana, took the cats out of her basement. I mean, what did it kind of, like, feel like for you to be there and to to talk with people? Yeah, the energy was crazy. Like, it was, it was very, like you said, dark. I was probably on the scene... From a little bit before the raid until after, like, the majority of the police had left. It's probably, like, a four-hour time span. And contrary to what some of the claims on social media say, I'm no fan of police action. Like we've kind of said, if I think anyone's truly deeply in the wrong in this situation, I think it's, you know, the city for, again, just letting this play out in this super individual way uh, it was hard to watch it was hard to watch you know her whole family got brought out and they were probably sitting on the steps for like an hour so that's her husband that's both of her kids who are apparently 11 and 14 like you know that what a horrible experience that's terrible and the whole block is out like people you know there's so there's a whole line of cars, there's cop cars, there's unmarked, you know, police vehicles, there's a huge ASPCA sprinter van, there's a few additional like ASPCA labeled cars. So, you know, it's obvious to anyone in the vicinity that something crazy is happening. You know, people are taking their coffee out on their porches, people are bringing their kids out, like everyone's gossiping. I was talking to like her next door neighbor who was like, Oh, like they're gonna they're gonna need more more than that, like pointing to the van because it's like, of course, this woman has been living next to the fucking cat house, and yeah, I mean, just people saying like, oh, finally the block's gonna be clean. A UPS guy stopped and like chatted with everyone for a while, and then it was crazy to see them start to bring the animals out. That probably started like an hour after you know the police were milling around. The sort of process was, you know, a few people were designated to go down there and then they would come back up holding 
a crate with a blue sort of a fleece blanket over it and then maybe like lift it up and take a picture of the cat and then get it into the sprinter. Sometimes the cats would like meow. That was horrible. Like, you know, it. yeah, it sucked. Ferrana obviously saw me and recognized me. So she took a picture of me and put it on the Cats of Yow York Instagram story. She was like, oh, hi, Katie. You know, you have time to be here, but you didn't have time, you know, to talk to all the contacts I sent you. And I was just like, yeah, this is a pretty big, it's a pretty big deal. Like, I'm I'm definitely going to be here. I knew about it. But I did end up speaking to some of those people and they did, you know, they had positive things to say. So like, like I said, it's not all negative in the story, which I think makes it more complicated and more interesting. We happened to be working on this story when this happened. And that's kind of the like craziest thing of all, because Farhana has been rescuing cats for like a decade. A lot of the people in this space have been working together for a really long time. And the whistleblowers, it's the fact that finally there were enough other people in the equation to, you know, prompt someone to like speak out. I think that's incredibly brave. I'm sure it was incredibly difficult. Like, I, you know, I really admire that. They're having to deal with like the DA, you know, they're having to deal with like the cops. They're having to deal with um, this woman who's like a leader figure who's going to be very mad when she figures out what actually happened. So I really have a lot of respect for that. I think it's incredibly brave. That's actually, I am probably more emotional about that than the cats. No offense to the cats. I stand by all of my reporting. All this crazy ass shit actually happened. And you can read about it on uh, hellgatenyc.com. <laughs> Articles called Cat Fight. You know, get ready. It's, uh, there's even more than we talked about in there. It's fucking crazy. Well, thank you, Katie, for your service. And thank you for joining the podcast this week. Of course. Happy to. I, I, I'm happy to talk to you guys about it. Yeah. Now go off and um, adopt a cat or, <laughs> or get certified in TNR. Yep, or... I, I cannot wait to bring a cat into my home. I know that's your, that's, that's <laughs> your plan, right? The natural next step. All right, that's it for this week's Hellgate podcast. Hellgate is a worker-owned, subscriber-funded news outlet covering New York City. Our editorial team is Adlan Jackson, Max Rivlin-Nadler, Nick Pinto, Christopher Robbins, Katie Way, and me, Esther Wong. Nadia Tykolsker is our business manager. Lauren Vespoli is our podcast producer. Our theme music is by Groupwork, and you can find their music on Bandcamp and all streaming platforms. This podcast is engineered by Crutch Phrase Studio. During the week, don't forget to check out HellgateNYC.com for daily reporting, in-depth investigations, and more stories about New York City. And if you like our show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.